This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, folks, welcome back into the Orange and Brown Report podcast. I'm your host, Jared Mueller. Thank you for stopping by on this Wednesday morning. I hope you guys are enjoying Victory Week. Um, just a quick look over at the OBR site. Remember, stop by theobr.com. Make sure you're checking out all the great stuff that's going on up there. Um, there's actually an article by me. Uh, that's up looking at some of the winless teams that could sell to the Browns at the NFL trade deadline. So I try to look at, you know, just some of the players that could help the team uh, just based on the eight teams that are winless. And, yeah, three weeks in, there are still eight winless teams. Uh, the article originally was going to be 0-3 teams, but the Eagles and Bengals decided to tie. Uh, Johnny Kinsley has the piece breaking down Miles Garrett's performance. Fred looking at the, uh, the being committed to the running game and how it paid dividends. Um, Steven has a piece up, and then my guest for today, uh, and our and our former host now uh, put in position as our great analyst, uh, Jake Burns has uh, some film room up already on the rushing attack and how diverse and dangerous it was. But before I get to Jake, let me talk to you more about DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door like I did today at lunch. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on the way. Right now, our listeners can get a $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order for $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE, that's $5 off your your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And now we're going to dash right on over to Jake Burns. Jake, how are you doing today? Good, Jared. I'm good, man. I'm excited to uh, to jump on and share some thoughts. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we get into uh, how we're going to roll this out with for you and all the film amazing stuff that you do, um, just how are you feeling? The Browns are two and one. Um, are you cautiously optimistic? Are you excited? Are you worried? Just if you had to kind of th- talk about how you feel about the team right now, uh, how would you describe that? I don't think everybody in the NFL would be kind of cautiously optimistic if their team's doing relatively okay. There's a few like Seattle, probably uh, Kansas City, obviously. Um, you know, Baltimore still feels fine. There's some that know where their team is, what they're going to be based on their uh, immediate history and kind of the flash of the first quarter we've seen. But most teams who are two and one, one and two, um, have reasons to be optimistic, have reasons to be concerned. 
I obviously have both of those with the Cleveland Browns, as I'm sure most people do. It doesn't take a trained eye to have those feelings. But I'm happy, man. They're 2-1. and one. You know, you, you, you looked at the opening three games, and you we kind of all said, hey, if they come out of it 2-1, and one, that's, a, that's a great start to the season and what you want. So I'm not going to be bothered by little minuscule things that are happening. And, look, those things are going to happen. Those issues are going to keep being issues. They're going to... You know, they're going to present themselves every week. Like, you know, teams are smart. They watch the same tape some of us do. They know what the weaknesses are. They're going to try to exploit them. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think they got a really good setup here, and these next three games will be pretty telling about, you know, sort of where they're at in terms of being able to rise to the challenge of some pretty good uh, organizations. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's when we really get a, a feel for where they're at. And uh, like Stephen and I talked about uh, on yesterday's pod, we don't know, right? Like, um, and we have, our expectations need to be catered to what we're seeing and everything that's going on. And, and so if they play really well against Dallas and Indianapolis and Pittsburgh and win two out of those three, then all of a sudden we can start to adjust our expectations. Um, but we don't need to talk about expectations anymore because we bring you on because you watch the film, you understand uh, the game in a way that, that many of us struggle to, um, but really help us understand it. So we're going good, bad, ugly. Uh, let's start with the good, Jake. You got done with the film. What coming out of the game against the Washington football team did you see as the good? Well, the good to me is is it's still pretty evident that this offensive line is very, very, I guess, I don't know the word, promising. They're just good. Like I think they're one of the better ones in the league. They're going to have some slip-ups here and there. Jed had a few. Um, but, but for the most part, man, this is a really solid group that – uh, prove their worth against a really good uh, Washington defense. I think, you know, they put up 34 points, but that's at the mercy of their offense turning the football over five times, and it could have been worse. And really, they had the Browns' offense frustrated for most of the day. They just had to deal with some short fields. So it's a good group. Even using, losing Chase Young and using Matt Ioannidis like they did, um, they have enough depth up front. They're really sound coverage linebackers. And, you know, their, their secondary outside of Landon Collins probably isn't many names that the average fan – would know like Fabian Moreau and Troy Apke and some of those guys and and um, I I just don't think many people know their names but they're just well coached Ron Rivera defense and Jack Del Rio's involved in it and they're they're a good group and and that's one of the better defenses you'll play and they do unique things like you know they play a wide nine and they crash their ends hard and we're going to talk about that here in a minute but like it's a challenge to run wide zone when you have strong defensive in play that crashes inside because it becomes a burden passing them along, and that's something I noticed on tape, and that kind of segues to what um, the good is for me, which is coaching changes happening uh, quickly in-game, and adjustments are happening, and, and, and uh, weaknesses are being exploited, and there's two examples of this, and I talked on the radio here in Columbus about this today, was they, they, you got to recall the game. I hope you guys can do this, you know, because I'm probably not going to put this in writing. Uh, I just want to see more evidence of it. But, you know, the Browns ran. Um, they kept motioning. They, 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 they did two by two, or they would motion out to empty, sometimes in, in 12 personnel with two tight ends. They get Hooper and Bryant on the field. They were very shorthanded wide receivers, especially JoJo Natson left uh, with the ACL tear, unfortunately. But they, they would run some two by two stuff or some three by two if they put Baker in empty or they would motion a back out. So in the second quarter, they decided to actually strike that. The first quarter, they motioned Nick Chubb out, put him wide, ran Odell against a, you know, you obviously motion a running back outside to unfold coverage. If the quarterback bumps outside with that running back, hey, it's zone coverage. He's taking the widest man. He's staying in his wide, deep zone probably, or a flat cover two zone, and uh, that's as simple as it gets. And the luxury, if you're the Browns, is, hey, man, now we got Odell in the slot here from his tight alignment on the linebacker. They did that. They cooked him for about 11 yards on the quick slant. Easy money. 
Second quarter, they come back, and if you recall, they throw uh, out of two by two, Odell's wide. So they didn't motion it back, but it's Jarvis and Odell, same side. Jarvis in the slot. They run a quick slant square in concept. Similar thing, same thing. And uh, they throw it to Jarvis. And if you recall, Jarvis had to make a really difficult catch, right? They blank, kind of blanketed him. And, and he had to catch it, like, between his legs. They slow-mo replayed it. It was a great catch. I don't know if you recall this, Jared, but that was a catch that was made in the second quarter, and behind it was a square end that was wide open. Like, yep. clearly they're jumping the slant, and they're going to leave that little void there wide open. Their corner's not going to cover it quick enough, and it was wide open. So I, I'm pretty positive that the communication came down. Like, hey, man, we're going to come back to that slant-square end combo, and you're going to have a square end wide open. So the Browns get a turnover. Carl Joseph interception, take it down. Um Actually, no, strike that. This was off the um, um, uh, Malcolm Smith interception. Okay. Because uh, the they, they scored on uh, – they scored the first touchdown was Nick Chubb's cutback run on the wide zone. But um, they they decided to, okay, hey, we're going to motion uh, Kareem Hunt out. We're going to put him outside. Odell can be in the slot. And we're going to try to challenge him with this same concept. But, hey, Baker in the headset or on the sideline, they talked about this. They looked at it on the um, little tablets they have there on the sideline. Service pros I said, hey, man, this square end is just kind of wide open. They're jumping that slant. And their hook coverage here, uh, curl flat coverage. I'm sorry, is, is not they're, they're they're not they're not defending it. So they go out, they identify right away. It is uh, it's man coverage. Actually, the linebacker bumps out, but they're still not going to close quick enough. They're going to jump that slant. What do they do? Jump the slant. Easy throw to Kareem Hunt. He just you know sort of side shuffles into the end zones. Simple stuff, man. But little stuff like that you have to pick up on throughout a game. And they did. They picked up on it, communicated it, loved it. Same thing happened with the running game. They they started to notice, like, hey, man, Washington's got these wide nines, and they keep crashing these guys inside. And what that does is if you have a wide nine technique, which is a wider defensive end, and you're running step lateral zone, if somebody shoots inside, you typically don't do all too well picking it up. You can pick it up, but there's got to be some communication from the tight end and tackle, like, hey, man, if he darts inside, I'm going to get a hand on, but he's yours to, to ride up field. That was giving the Browns pretty clear trouble. So they decided, hey, man, we're going to run this out the weak side, and we're going to, we're going to pull uh, both the guards, and, and we're going to, you know, sometimes we're going to, we can, there's two ways to do it. They can run power, traditional power, like a, a traditional counter, I should say, where they have the tight end, tackle, guard, block down, and then they, they pull the backside guard out and around and, and kind of counter and kick out the, 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 the force defender, which in this case the force defender is the corner to the, to the open-ended side. So they were doing that. They said we can do that, and we can also do this G counter where we're taking the guard, hooking the, the play side guard, hooking uh, that crashing in. If that isn't going to crash inside to take away, he's not going to mind being hooked. So they're hooking him, turning him inside, opens up an alley for Wyatt Teller pulling around, <laughs> and it's, it's money. They ran it in the second quarter. They ran the exact scheme in the second quarter, and um, Washington, was, it was kind of neutral field, about the 50-yard line. It was like, uh, I, think, I think it was early down. Washington's in their typical too-high open coverage look, and what it did is they ran the scheme, beautiful, hook the end, Batonio hooks the end, Teller's pulling around, kicks the corner, but Landon Collins in a too-high look comes downfield from his from his from his high angle and kind of shoots the gap and, and ends up getting a piece of Chubb that allows the backside pursuit to catch him. It turns in like an eight yard game. Still a great play, but they knew and in the back of their mind they're like, this this is gonna be there. They're shifting their linebackers over. They're gonna walk down Landon Collins and that's what they did. They got the football back on the, or they got the football on that uh I think it was a B.J. Goodson interception to the ice the game. That's what they went to, right? Like they um it was either the Goodson it's all running through. It was either the Goodson interception or um, it was it was the touchdown to put him back in the lead. I think it might have been the touchdown to put him back in the lead. I can't remember. One of the two. I can't remember the order of which the Harrison Bryant touchdown happened and the Nick Chubb touchdown happened. But uh, they decided, hey man, when we get in the into the red zone or close to it, the green zone inside the thirty end, 
they're going to run single high. They're going to walk that guy down. We're going to have a better angle on that safety now. Instead of him being high, we're going to have a better angle on him. We can account for him in the box. What do they do? They run it beautifully, hook the end, kick the corner. Landon Collins gets blocked by uh, Austin Hooper in the box, and nobody's got an angle. Chubb kind of scoots through it. Touchdown, 24-yard touchdown. That's what you want to see, man, like in-game adjustments to run game things that teams are doing to them. That's what they're able to do. That's the good for me right there. Yeah, and absolutely. I think the thing that's so encouraging to me is we often just in general talk about halftime adjustments, and I think what we saw in this team and, and the last couple of games, but especially in this game, was we saw series-to-series adjustments. Uh, we saw them looking at what was happening uh, and adjust to it, both on the offensive and defensive side. Uh, so that was really exciting to me because I feel like it takes a smart – uh, it takes a smart coaching staff to be able to digest the information and move on with your play calling or, or your ideas, especially with all those turnovers. You know, there wasn't as much time for there to be changes and all that stuff. But we, we're seeing a coaching staff, uh, especially, you know, even on the defensive side of the ball, I think they're a little cautious early, and then they get they figure out what's happening, and then they go from there. But I love seeing not just – halftime adjustment, but in-game, series-to-series adjustments, those are awesome to see and really exciting because those are long-term things, right? If you're making those, you know, series-to-series adjustments, even if you don't have talent on either side of the ball or even if you're losing games, it tells you that you have a coaching staff that understands football. And, and to be honest, after the last few years, it's really exciting to have a coaching staff that understands football. So that is our good Jake, what do you got for us? What's the bad that you saw when you watched the film uh, of the Browns win? I still don't know how they're going to fix their nickel situation. Uh, MJ Stewart played 22 snaps, did not play well. I mean, I thought Tavier Thomas played a little bit better, uh, graded out like a 57. But those guys are giving up too much. They're giving up too much in, in quick bubble throws. They're giving up too much in space. They just don't feel comfortable uh, in space, and especially with what this defense is asking. They still only played Ronnie. Harrison's six snaps. I don't know what they're doing. And and really, these two are going to be combined, Jared. The ugly is going to be mixed in here, too. And it's like, I don't know what they're consistently doing in coverage uh, in terms of, um, you know, with, with man. with They're going to be out. Let me put it this way. They're going to be out man very often. Haskins made some terrible decisions. You can be pickier uh, in terms of who you throw against. And I think Washington missed some real opportunities. I thought B.J. Goodson caught on by the end of the game, but, like, the interior of the Browns' defense is still it's still not quite good enough where it needs to be. I'm a little worried about Ward. He did not play a ton of second-half snaps at all. I think he only played 29 for the game. Um, kind of came off the field, and Kevin Johnson played outside. So I'm, I'm worried the bad is still, although they created turnovers, you know, a couple of those interceptions were just terrible Dwayne Haskins throws that you're not going to see made, especially not with Dak coming next week. Like, you're just not going to see those things. So um, my bad is what what their plan is in coverage, and that mixes into my ugly, which I'm putting tonight in the All-22 uh, scouting notes, which is I don't know what they're doing communication-wise. There are way too many times where this group is just, like, like chopping up with hand signals and shifting and trying to bump – and they just don't know where they're going. Like, it's just consistently happening where I just don't know <clears> – excuse me. I don't know how many snaps that, that, that they could say in a game where, where Joe Woods can watch the film and be like, I'm 100% confident we got the right call and the right adjustment. You know, and, like, that's limiting them to how often they feel like they can blitz. It's limiting them to how often they feel like they can be creative and, and shift and change coverages pre to post. 
They're just very vanilla right now, and that is a genuine fear when you face, you know, Dallas is is really good, man. They have as good 11 personnel as you're going to see in the NFL, and I, I would go so far as to say it's as good as anyone, especially with Cedric Wilson coming on last week and proving they have four receivers that can kind of do a variety of different things, and it's just not a game where you want to have, you know, so many miscommunications. So, I don't know, Dallas likes to push the football downfield, and that's where Cleveland can really get after people is if they are given time to get home. So, you know, is Dallas going to adjust and try to try to go quick? Or are they going to try to think that they're the biggest guy in the room and they can do whatever they want no matter what? That will be extremely interesting to me. But, you know, for the most part, I hate to kind of lump two and two together there, but, like, the, the bad is just sort of what's going on with the secondary and linebackers and coverage so often. And then – you know, the worst of the worst there is, is the miscommunications that just continue to keep popping up on film. And if you go, you know, I encourage everybody to get Game Pass and go rewatch the games on All-22. It's just a different game, you know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just such a different game from what you're watching on TV. And you can see all the communication being, being attempted by this defense. And it's sometimes happening, Jared, right up and through the snap. Like, there's a play in the third quarter uh, on, a, on, a, on a crossing route where – they shifted McKissick out of the backfield and just put him on a simple crossing shallow route, and nobody covered him. Like, the Mike Backer took off on a, on a on a middle zone. Like, he's running with the over route, and there's nobody in the middle of the field. Like, B.J. Goodson didn't go with I don't know. It was, it was Goodson or it was it was Malcolm Smith. No one ran with him, and he's open for, like, get him down to the three yards, like a 30-yard gain. I don't – and there was, another, there was another one, too, where they just uh, – well, that was a man coverage situation, but this, this one was a miscommunication. I don't – I don't know what they're doing sometimes, man. It's really confusing, and they just they just kind of figure out a way to tighten this thing up because it's all over the map right now. Yeah, and and you know that. So I'm gonna actually follow up before I'm gonna talk about Pepsi, and I'm gonna follow up with two questions, Jake, for you. So I'll, I'll tell you now before I talk about Pepsi. My first question about the bad is talking about Tavier Thomas and and specifically some of that uh, slot and and some of that kind of stuff. My real question to you is: Is it? Ta- I know it's both, but is it? Do you think it's more talent? Or do you think it's more they're not being in position to be successful? And then the second question is going to be about Ronnie Harrison. I know you've watched all, I don't know, he maybe has 20 snaps that he's played uh, in Cleveland. So I know you've seen all 20 of them, and there's not a lot that you can take from that small sample size. But I want to get your opinion of what you've seen on film. I can make a lot of inferences uh, that he's not playing and he's had all this time and all that stuff. Um, but those are my two questions that I want I want you to kind of be able to answer for me. But first, let me talk about Pepsi. Uh, for me, not for Jake, but for me, thanks to a lack of natural athleticism, probably a lot of commitment issues because I would rather go have fun or girls or whatever, um, and I didn't really have overbearing sports parents. Uh, and for many of you, that's probably true as well. Fewer than 1% of the 1% of the 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. And I'll be really honest with you guys, not because he's my guest tonight, not because he's my teammate on the OBR, for me, one of the things that I love about football is watching it through Jake's eyes. Like, it just gives me a different understanding. So not only do I look forward to watching on Sunday, and Jake is right, Fox and, and some of the other uh, TV broadcasts don't give you enough information. So I like watching the All-22, and then I love watching uh, and seeing Jake's breakdown of things. Um, for me and Pepsi, watching it those kind of ways are really, really nice. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for us. 
for us who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. So, Jake, let's go with that first question. Is it is it more talent or is it more the scheme and the coaching when you look at some of the, the coverage issues with, again, the cornerbacks and, and the nickelback and some of those kind of things? Would you slide it one way or another on the blame scale? I certainly think they're being put in places to – to be able to handle the coverage stuff, I mean, they're not asked to do crazy things. I don't, you know, personally, I don't, I don't see them running across the field or having to, you know, change directional. They're just, they're being asked to step up and cover somebody, and they're not. I just, I just listen. I think it's a talent thing. I don't, I don't think they have guys, you know, Thomas and and Goodson and and and, and Malcolm Smith and and listen, Malcolm Smith and Goodson are fighting. I'm not trying to knock them. It's really Sione Takitaki looks lost in coverage quite often and. Mac Wilson didn't play enough, and his knee's all wrapped up. You can see it, so I'm not effective how he's going to be. And I'm not trying to, to, to bag on the linebackers, but there's just, like, there's times where they're going to get outmanned in these these games. Like, you know, Terrence Mitchell and, and Denzel kind of both in cover three in the goal line gave up, you know, two in-breaking touchdowns when they shouldn't have. They should have closed those plays down, and they got to be there. I think that this is right now – I don't think – let me put it this way. I don't think – it's a it's a uh, it's a schematic issue. There seems to be some communication issues that are going on, and that can be placed on coaches. I don't have a problem with the scheme at all, um, and I and I certainly don't have a problem with their outside personnel. But they got to get those guys to make plays. Some of the time they won't be able to because they're just you know skill to skill overmatched. Like you're not going to win. For example, if if C.D. Lamb's playing on the inside and Tavier <laughs> Thomas has to run with him for a majority of the time, it's just not. I mean, it's just not going to work out all too well. So it's it's just sometimes the Jimmys and Joes stuff does come into play. Now there there are going to be some things that they can do to combat that, and I'll be watching pretty closely. But uh, um, for the most part, I think they're doing schematic things that I think are simple and can give them chances. But they have to have guys step up to the plate and make plays and kind of play over their ability. And they have to get better at communicating. And being on the same page and communicating and knowing what's going on is a big part of a coach's responsibility. So there's some blame to be had there. Like, i got to clear something up, too, while I'm here. Like, you know, Anderson Daniel wasn't brought here to start, and, and I think that's a misconception. He was brought here to help bring along Grant Delpit and yep. be a depth player. And, you know, the Browns traded for Ronnie Harrison, and everybody's presumption was – well, you know, we're going to start Harrison, and, 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 and that's that's that, Harrison and Joseph. Well, they don't play the same position. Ronnie Harrison is a, is a box guy. He's more similar to Carl Joseph than, than anybody. Now, I think there's a there's an argument that could be made that you could move Carl Joseph over to the role of free safety, more of what Sandejo is doing. You could certainly, like I said, you could see the justification in that because I think Carl Joseph is playing good football and he could adapt to that role. But they're not playing the same position. So just saying, hey, swap out Ronnie Harrison and Anderson Dale, that doesn't make sense to me. So I don't see that happening unless they feel going into this week that they have to make that change. Like that touchdown that happened uh, that, that everybody was jumping on Sandejo about, uh, that cover three touchdown, I think it was to, to Dontrell Inman uh, up the right side there. You know, you got from number one is a trip set. 
you know, it's pretty simple stuff. You got from number one an over route that's going to draw the attention of Sendejo in cover three. I put this on the OBR Film Breakdown Twitter handle if you want to check this out with draw ups and everything. You know, number two runs vertical on a bender route. Number three runs a slant. So there's no outside threat to Denzel. He's got to run with number two on the and the bender route. He's got to be there. A free safety who has to honor the over route in front of his face cannot be there on that backside window. So like. That's a play that he has to make, and I don't think you should blame it on Sandejo. you got to look at that picture. Now, that's not to say that Sandejo hasn't had issues on tape, there's no doubt, but he's being put in a position that I don't think the Browns wanted him in, he expected to be in, and they don't have anybody sitting around to fill it. Obviously, Sheldrick Redwine is the big disappointment here, that he put he couldn't put enough on film and training camp to give them even an inkling to, to play him over you know, you would hope that your fourth-round pick from the year before, who played a significant number of snaps at the end of the season, had progressed to a level at which you could trust him and play him. But that uh, that doesn't seem to be the case. So you're going to have to ride with Sendejo unless, like I said, they make a huge, huge change. And um, I just, I just, I would be surprised if that ends up happening. Yeah, and I'll I'll tell you guys just from um, more from last year um, than this year. Uh, Red wine is more likely to give up three big plays in a game where Andrew uh, Sendejo is more likely to give up, you know, a couple little plays or he's going to give up those mediocre plays. Redwine is going to be out of place um, and like a chicken with its head cut off uh, based on what we saw, not just what we saw last year, but what I was um, being told from inside the team last year. So uh, it shouldn't, for me, it's not surprising, and I think we had to kind of put him away because um, I don't know how long he's going to be a, a member of the team unless he makes some kind of giant leap. And who knows if Sendejo is helping with that. So uh, you talked about Ronnie Harrison. Again, he might have been perfect for the third safety role. Like if we got Delpit, if we're rolling out Delpit and Carl Joseph having Ronnie Harrison to play the linebacker safety, strong safety, maybe some nickel, that kind of thing might have been perfect. But he's only played, you know, whatever number of snaps, seven last week. From what you've seen in Cleveland, is he a player? Is he not very good? Do you have any feel for why we're not seeing more of Harrison based on what we have seen of him on the field? Well, there's there's obviously an adaptation time to a new scheme. There's a whole bunch of different things going on there. But then it's also the type of player they want to play that third you know, third defensive back role, whether that's a corner or safety, they'd prefer somebody with more speed, more lateral agility. That would be Kevin Johnson, and he was playing a little bit in there. Kevin Johnson was when uh, um, before Denzel left with injury, and he bumped back outside. So that'll be a role he fits into. I think if they want a thumper, they'll start bringing Harrison in a little bit more and allow him to do some different things. They're bringing him along slow. Uh, but at the same time, he's also been beat. When asked to play coverage, he's been beat a couple times. He even gave up another, like, 11, 12-yard reception in this in this last game here against Washington. So, you know, you traded a fifth-round pick for him. You took a flyer on him. It's, it's clearly somebody that, that Jacksonville had no issues giving up for the, the minimal return. So even if you don't get a ton from Harrison, you know, you didn't give up a ton for the opportunity to try to bring him in. But it's early. It's early in this transition. We could see him grow. Um, into a, into a, a better role, but it, it appears right now Joe Woods does not have a very big role for him. Again, these things can be fluid and change week to week. We'll keep a close eye on it, but for now, it just doesn't seem like the the position, the, the way he plays the position, is what Joe Woods is looking for. But uh, that could that could obviously change week to week. Gotcha, gotcha. 
Um, as always, loving love having Jake on, and, and I love that the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start. Start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use our promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book expert. Jake, man, I appreciate you coming on uh, on this Wednesday as we start to turn the page from the win over the Washington football team and turn our eyes to Dallas and that really, really difficult game or that really, really good offense that they're going to be facing. Jake, I appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Anytime, my friend. You know this. Absolutely. And for everybody else, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I've, I've loved being kind of back in the saddle. Uh, Steven uh, yesterday, Jake today, and then tomorrow I'll have on the legend Fred Greetham to just talk about what's going on in Berea. Uh, and for me, it's a lot of times I love to hear from Fred what is different, uh, what he's experiencing differently for today and this year, different than the 30 years before that, that he's been doing this. So uh, look forward to that tomorrow. Uh, again, make sure you get over to the site, theobr.com. Make sure you're reading at least my articles and Jake's articles since we're, you know, doing this thing tonight. Uh, but beyond that, make sure you take care of yourself, take care of others, and go Browns.